Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Happy 400th show, Kate! Woo! It's my 175th show, though, not technically, since I've probably missed at least two shows, so it's probably like my 173rd show. I think we can round to a very nice, beautiful 175. That That's cool with me. That's cool with no, you. No, it's okay. I don't want to discount Emily Stevens' contributions to filling in for me <laughs> when I'm not here. I would be much more celebratory, except as you can hear from this gorgeous timbre of my voice, I am sick. Uh, I had a whole bit that I was going to do for 400 and and then I slept through the start of our record time listeners and Noel's awesome so uh so he's being cool about it but uh I, that means no bit no bit today I don't have the oh, energy can we do the bit next week though because you never you never do bits I never do bits why don't we do the bit for your 175th if you're okay. convinced that it's not for a couple weeks I don't think it is for a couple of weeks. Okay, we'll do it then. That gives me two more All weeks right. to to remember what it was after <laughs> I come down off these cold meds. Um, so so you can hear how my week's been. How's your week been? Uh it's it's been okay. It's pretty much the same of volunteering over at the local community house, which is a center for. Uh, folks, uh, refugees and immigrants, but also basically anyone in the area to get education assistance, um, whether it be with citizenship or literacy. So I've been volunteering over there and then just job hunting and geocaching. That's pretty much those, those are the three activities that are basically my life now. Okay. So, uh, well, I've been sleeping and trying to sleep, but failing to sleep, uh, cause, uh, cause of my nose. And, uh, yeah, just trying to get through rehearsal. I have my last out-of-town gig of the season, um, mm-hmm. which is I would be having a lot of fun at, except for the sick. And uh, because of that, I, I've been watching exactly what I need to and nothing else. So, <laughs> listeners, this week Noel is going to catch us up on some of the anime picks that's going on this week. I've got thoughts on a few things, but it's going uh, it's, it's, it's to be a, a shorter episode this week. Um, for all the above mentioned reasons, <laughs> but there is still plenty of things I'm excited to talk about. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I know there's one big show that we're both gonna overlap on, and uh, it's some intense stuff, some very necessary, very, uh, very real, grounded magic nipple TV, and I'm looking oh forward God, to it. It's so good. So good. <laughs> it really it really is. Uh, so this week at the end of the show, we're talking about season two of She References of Power on Netflix. Uh, it's only seven episodes. Um, we will have thoughts on that and much more. Uh, but but before then, we have a full week in TV. So let's take a break, listen to a little music and come back with our week in TV. week in tv noel's gonna catch us up with the full frontal with samantha b not the white house correspondence dinner number two then the gene mile from bob's burgers and the last og's sound of the police i'll have a few thoughts on drag races drag Dragra cadabra uh that's how uh, that awkward pronunciation if the title might be a bit of a hint towards what's coming this week then uh noel's gonna catch us up with the anime corner one punch man on hulu oh man 
Serenza Mai? May? Close enough. Yeah, it's fine. It's about Serenza as close as I'm going to get to that. Mai? <laughs> uh, Sierra and Fumi. Uh, then Fruits Basket, Hitoribachi. Yes? Yeah, just go with Hitoribachi. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Demon Slayer. So yeah. a few things. He knows them better. He will say the titles better. <laughs> then I'll talk a bit of Game of Thrones, A Long Night, and we'll round things up with Legends of Tomorrow, Egg McGuffin. So first up is the Full Frontal Samantha B Correspondence Dinner. Now, I, I didn't really care for the first one, so I didn't tune yeah. in for the second one. How, how did they do this time? Did, did they do a little better job? Um, no. Um, You Ouch. get the sense that this... Yeah, you get the sense that this was kind of put together a little hastily. There's significantly like fewer um, guest stars than there were last year, uh, for better or for worse, depending on how you want to split it. Uh, but they did have a couple of good bits. The opening bit ha- is an Aliens riff, complete with Sigourney Weaver. Nice. Um, yes. And Weaver's very, very good in it, as you would expect her to be. She's very game for the whole thing, including a whole sort of side eye reaction shot to a journalist that pops up in the thing and it's just like it's very good and i don't want to spoil it for a for anyone who's gonna like go back and watch it on like youtube or something but it's it's good but she also gets to after she convinces sam to go back to earth to do the dinner she's and sam's just like yeah journalism needs me tbs needs me and the sigourney weaver just completely deadpans well I mean, they still have the Big Bang Theory, so they're okay. (laughs) It's just like, oh, that's very good, Sigourney. That's very good. So the opening bit, I think, is probably the best one in terms of just kind of humor and getting some cameos in. Uh, There's a decent number uh, with Brandon Victor Dixon um, about the fact that everyone uses um, euphemisms for when things are racist now in the press. Um, as opposed to just saying something is racist. So mm-hmm. the entire sort of, um, whatchamacallit, uh, My Fair Lady-esque number is racism is racist when it's done by a racist. Mm-hmm. And so there's a good sort of thing there as well. Um, but it's it goes on a little too long. Um, then there's a whole decent segment about bounds versus truth, which is solid. Um, Jay Rosen and a couple of like other folks are in that bit. Um, that's good. And then there's the deep fake segment, which is about our ability to create people whole cloth or overlay faces and do the voice stuff. If you watch the first, the second season of The Good Fight, you know all about the voices. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just an extension of that. So it wasn't anything particularly new, at least to me. Some other people were probably surprised, but I was just like, yeah, no, this is this is where we are now. So generally, it's fine, but... It's not it's not even quite as good as the other one. And then there's a real strong dead period where they have a conservative comedian, Zam Larson, uh, played by Taryn Killam, come on and do conservative comedy. And it's not funny, but mm. it's also not funny in the it's not supposed to be funny sort of way. It's just like not funny. And so it was just a solid, like tight five minutes of not funny. Yeah, that's long. Five minutes of not funny is long. Yeah, so it was okay overall. Again, I really liked it for the Scorny Weaver bit at the very beginning, but it's kind of all downhill after that. But I'm also a sucker for Sigourney Weaver, so what are you going to do? Yeah, watch the song, <laughs> watch Sigourney Weaver, and then move right along is what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I think that's the best thing to do. Okay, well, how about Bob's Burgers, the Gene Mile? Right, so this episode is delightful in for two reasons. Um, the first involves... The kids have to run a mandatory mile around the school. Um, But Louise convinces the gang to go and get free scoops of ice cream by trailing behind the one kid who will finish last. Mm -hmm. And they like sneak a like a pet tracker into his bag so that they know where he is. Mm -hmm. And all these sorts of shenanigans happen. And it's very funny. The kid who has the... um, who's last in the race has a hydration pack, but he filled his hydration pack with milk. Mm. And that's, that's not okay. That's not the right thing to do. Um, so the kid's just a whole mess. Um, so that's really funny. But while the kids are at school, Bob, Linda, and Teddy are trying to win tickets to Patty cake Two, some sort of like stomp esque thing, but with Patty cake. Okay. (laughs) Tight ropes. 
and all this sort of really bizarre America's Got Talent-esque stuff is being sent up with this, but Bob is super into it. So, but they're, they ha- keep calling into a radio contest, or no, they don't call into a radio contest. I was conflating radio with last week. They keep trying to call in to get, like, standby tickets, basically, and busy signals, cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, and just high tensions ratchet up, like, the um, conflict between Teddy and Bob really, really nicely. But it's also one of those things of going, yeah... Getting tickets for anything sucks now. Mm-hmm. Um, even if like you're going online to do it and you have to pick seats and it's a very small venue and a very popular show, have fun with getting those seats and the website not crashing. And so all of this is like deeply, deeply relatable, even if it's done over the phone as well. So I just thought it was really funny of them, again, doing sort of an analog technology type of thing, not an analog technology, but an analog technology type thing of doing this over the phone when they've also just recently done the uh, radio station storyline as well. So I'm really appreciating this through line of a degree of nostalgia for old ways of doing things or old ways of consuming media or old ways of getting tickets um, to things as a, as, as, and I don't know about you, but when we needed to get tickets for things, which happened rarely, we had to go to a turtle music Mm. or we had to go to the ticket master at Publix. (laughs) Now, see, I didn't go to things, so I, I don't have that experience. However, I do have an experience of, of, spending like six hours trying to get Hamilton tickets. So, yeah, no, it's the same thing. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. That covers you for like two experiences. Yeah, that covers two experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, I have very strong memories of having to run the mile uh, or the Husky run in, in middle school, which is a mile and a quarter. So yes, okay. I, I very much look forward to catching up with this one. No. No. <laughs> it's very good. It's very funny. And Mr. Fran has his very adult scooter, and I was thinking that it was going to be a scooter scooter, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It was just one of those foot scooters where you hop on real quick and then have to, like, propel it, like a skateboard yeah. with a handle. And I just went, oh, Mr. Frond. Of course. Of course. <laughs> How about the last OG, Sound of the Police? Right. So this episode is one of the uh, sort of tracks away from uh, the food truck for a minute. Uh, to deal with uh, uh, Dre, um, Trey, ugh, Dre's on Blackish. Very um, different show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With Trey getting his driver's license back so that he can drive the food truck. And built into this is the fact that um, Shazad is learning how to drive. So he has two different driving experiences. One with Josh where he gets pulled over for going through a stop sign. And Josh manages to talk them out of a ticket with the white cop. And then he's in the car with Trey and Bobby, and they get pulled over. And Shazad behaves like Josh did in terms of like trying to talk his way out of the ticket, while Trey and Bobby are both like, what are you doing? Why are we having this conversation? Don't do this. So there becomes this conflict of, all right, sim- sort of similar to what Blackish did this week as well, of like, Black Like Us sort of thing, or like that weird sort of in-between space of, all right, well, I've got a white dad and he talked me out of the ticket, so I can just do the same thing and it'll be fine. And the context of that shifting and that kind of a con- that kind of an idea is explored in this episode. And to the point where it's also ends on kind of a down note as well, because they Trey decides to take Shazad to a, one of the more inner city air quote schools to sh- sort of like show him all right, well, here's a school named after a racist um, type of thing that all the black kids go to that as opposed to your nice private school. And the he, Shazad, convinces them to like kind of like not take it anymore, not take the lack of good books, not take the lack of like air conditioning and heating and like explains that when at his school, when they didn't get something in terms of what they needed for school, they just didn't show their work on their math tests as a form mm-hmm. of protests. And I like that as a detail. Um, yeah. But so what ends up happening is that the school, the, he motivates a protest mm-hmm. and all the kids sort of like get um, like arrested except for Shazad, because when he hands over his student ID, he's not from this school and the cops say, you can just go, you don't go to this school. And it's just like, 
all the levels of racism and privilege layered on top of each other in this episode are explored real, real nicely in this. And he just leaves. He doesn't stay with the kids that he rallied to protest. He leaves and gets out. Mm-hmm. And so Trey's disappointed in him. And he's sort of disappointed in himself, but also just doesn't have like the fortitude and courage to stay with these kids. Um, so generally, it's a really strong sort of episode that steps, again, steps away from both of the larger plots of like Shay's work and Trey's food, food truck to do this good sort of um, story about levels of privilege, racism, and how all of that interacts really, really nicely, while still being really funny as well. There's a number of really good bits in it as well. So I encourage you to, uh, when you get some time and you feel better, to carve out some time for this one. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting, and I'm I'm very interested. I'm looking forward to to watching it. Uh, yeah, they you know, Blast OG has been doing a really good job in season two, and like just like they did in season one. So, yeah, I, I really look forward to to seeing their take. Uh, okay, uh, next up is Drag Race. The, this week we have Drag Jack Drag Cadabra Drag Cadabra, which is harder than I would have imagined to say, but I think it works well because uh, this magic episode uh, is kind of awkward and not very good. Um, so, so here's the thing. Any episode that lets Nina and celebrates Nina doing her Nina thing uh, is going to be one that I enjoy. And so like, yeah. this is like how this is designed. They keep mentioning it very much towards Nina's strength and celebrating her strengths. So like cheesy, campier, more old school, bigger style of drag. And that's okay. great. Um, however, magic is hard. <laughs> and, it is super hard. And they don't, there isn't a distinguishable, like really significant difference in the quality of the various Queens performances. Um, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective, and I'll watch it again before I finish writing my review. However, so, so that makes it really challenging when you get to the judging and they're talking about so-and-so was hilarious and so-and-so really struggled that I'm like, everybody was about the same. And mm-hmm. if y'all wanted me to, to be on board with one team just doing really, really well and one team just doing okay, I didn't see it. And that's frustrating. And so it just makes the judging uh, for who's on the bottom very arbitrary and very much like, well, and this set of six queens, who's going home next? Or seven queens, who's going home next? It's this person because it's their time, not because of this particular performance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's very much, it feels very much designed by who do we want here next week, not how did they actually do this week. And, the, you know, in, in a show like Drag Race, they have so many challenges that there are like staples of the show. And that's a big reason that the show is so successful as a reality show. They've really built their brand and developed these really unique and, and interesting and cha- and difficult challenges. Um, so, so it's, you know, they can't all be winners, right? They can't all be that kind. That's like an instant classic for the show. And this one is not, hopefully it doesn't come back. Um, but it, it feels very uh, contrived, when you know, like it, it the editing is trying to convince me, and the judges' comments are trying to convince me of something they did not show, and uh, yeah, that was that was frustrating to watch. So I don't take anything away from from Nina's performance, which you know, spoiler alert, she's very funny and she's very good, but I would have liked. Um, uh, I think they just this one it was just a mess for me. And uh, so, 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 yeah, like the idea, the concept, but like, did they give them like a magic consultant to help them with the magic at all? Yes, they have like a, they have someone like show them these tricks. Um, And some of them, I have no idea how they did. And some of them are pretty straightforward. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just very all it's magic is hard to do. It's not something you're going to learn in one session. And so it just turns very much into who can do the presentation. Um, And that like, it just wasn't, it wasn't as good as it should have been. So for, for, for the level of Queens that we should have at this point in the competition, they're trying to kind of glaze over some of their other weaknesses. And um, yeah, I appreciate a swing and a miss, but for me, it was a miss. Okay. So, 
I look forward to your thoughts once you've had a chance to see it. Yeah. Thanks for tempering that when um, I get around to it after my person and I get back from our mini vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll be completely out of, out of, um, out of touch with uh, the, the, the general fan reaction, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so talk to me a bit about your anime corner. Welcome to the anime corner, uh, spring 2019 edition, Kate. It's very exciting. <laughs> I've got a handful of shows here, most of which I am actually recommending. A couple of them I'm just like, I've watched, but I'm not totally recommending. So um, probably of like everything, the highest profile one that people were most excited about would have normally be have been One Punch Man, which is came back for its second season. Uh, this is a really popular show about a bald superhero who is so powerful that he is just bored with being a superhero. But instead of like moping about it, he just kind of stays home and plays video games and reads, reads manga. Um, but the world around him keeps drawing him in. So the second season deals with a guy who's super strong, a human who's super strong, who should be a hero, but like really relates to villains and monsters and just went, no, I'm just going to hunt all the heroes. And so that's sort of like the central tension here. Um, And so there's a little bit of a, all right, well, this is what happens when you like villains too much, everyone. It sort of feels like a response to, boy, the kids really like Loki these days. So there's that element of it. But this season has been just okay. A large part of the problem has been the fact that in between seasons, the show shifted from Madhouse, which is one of the best anime studios in the business, to JC staff, who are just kind of okay, uh, because Madhouse doesn't like doing second seasons of things. <laughs> and so they just went, no, we're not going to do this. And they also, in the process, lost um, Shingo Natsumi, who's a really great anime director who... Did One Punch Man, obviously, but also directed a number of episodes from Space Dandy and also worked in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department, which is an anime from 2017 that was really good and really stylish looking. And the loss of both of those things has resulted in One Punch Man being enjoyable sort of on a writing level. And the most recent episode from this week uh, about Metal Bat was looked really good, but it also took them five episodes to look really good. And so they're, like, really portioning out their um, their money, I think, um, and having to be really conscious of it because they don't... JC staff does not have Madhouse money. So if you were sort of hesitant on watching this on Hulu, which is where you can watch it in the U.S., as well as the first season, because of the change, it's it's noticeable in a number of places. So it's good still and i'm still enjoying it but there's a there's a definite sort of dip in quality um that's been a little frustrating but you can watch that on hulu subtitled if you want to um and then the probably the big release of this year for this season rather was a remake of fruits basket now did you read fruits basket at all or were oh, you, no. are you were you aware of fruits basket through you. That's the extent through of my me, knowledge of Fruits okay. Basket. Okay, so this is a touchstone um, anime and manga series for the late 90s, early aughts. So back when when it first started, when, when there were massive shelves of manga in Borders and people were just sitting there and reading it, they were reading Fruits Basket. This is sort of like a touchstone for like pe- people my age and that generation of folks who, when manga first started rolling out in the U.S. in a really prolific way. Fruits Basket was one of the touchstones, sort of shoujo series, about a orphan girl who lives lives in the woods squatting on, inadvertently squatting on the land of a very, very rich family who's cursed by the Zodiac. So every time they are hugged by a member of the opposite sex, they turn into whatever animal they are in the Zodiac. And it's very cute, it's very sweet, and it's also very sad um, as the series progresses, as uh, Toru, who's the main character, who's the young girl, realizes just kind of how messed up this family is and how the curse of the Zodiac has really influenced all of them in really terrible ways um, and that she can potentially break this curse. Uh, so this is really good so far. Um, it's done through TMS Entertainment, who have been around for years and decades. And it looks really, really good. 
Um, the Japanese side of the production has completely changed hands because the, the manga author did not like the original staff in the studio over that oversaw the original anime that was done in the um, early aughts. And so she just went, if you're going to remake this, you can't do it with anyone else. So they didn't. <laughs> but um, where you can watch this on Funimation with the dub or subtitled on Crunchyroll, the English dub version brought back a large chunk of the original voice cast, uh, which is really cool for fans of the original dub. So you get to see the show done over again with the vast majority of the original voice cast, including the core trio of Toru, Yuki, and, oh no, I've forgotten his name. Hang on. <laughs> Kyo. Um, so the original cast is there for large numbers of them, which is makes it for a really pleasant but also uncanny valley we've sort of been here sort of experience but it looks really really good it's very pretty they've clearly spent a lot of money on this and they know that they're going to cover basically the entire series in about 50 episodes which is a long stretch for a show right now but that's really promising and people are very excited about it and it's pretty good so far so if you're interested in fruits basket this is a really good time to sort of jump in and watch it since there are two different ways to watch it um but you can also watch the original anime on hulu dubbed i think pretty sure it's on hulu um i know it's on hulu i don't remember if it's dubbed or not but you can watch it on hulu um so i encourage folks to check this out if they're interested in this or they want to catch up on something that was kind of a big cultural touchstone in the early aughts that kind of kicked off the manga and anime boom in the u.s for want of a better word, at least this, that wave of it. Then for my just very silly show, Kate, <laughs> that I'm very enjoying, Hitori Bochi is so cute and good. And I, this is something that I kind of encourage everyone to watch, even though it's very silly. Um, Bochi is a middle school girl who just, <clears throat> just started middle school. Um, and her friend from, her only friend from elementary school who's attending a different school tells Bochi that she is ending their friendship until Bochi can make friends with her entire class. Oh, wow. And Bochi suffers from severe social anxiety. Ditch up. New friends. That's sort of like the best thing to... That's the reasonable thing to do, is to get a new friend. This, this, cur- this old friend is clearly terrible. But the entire thing so far, uh, the first like four or five episodes, have been about Bochi struggling to make friends but also successfully making friends with people who understand that she's not the best at making friends but that she has good qualities about her of like even though she is socially inept and needs to refer to a manual and how to make friends um (laughs) or freezes up when people sort of talk to her too much and all this sort of like social anxiety stuff that's played really cutely but also in a very sort of honest sort of way as well of like yeah no that feels really real to me as a 34 year old man that's not great we need to unpack some things but also bochi just needs some um, social anxiety meds um but it's all very funny and it's played with empathy basically as opposed to laughing at her we're sort of aware of the fact that she's being anxious and everyone around her treats her with the care that she deserves, but also gently pushes her forward to develop and grow. Um, And so while the lack of discussion around like antidepressants or social anxiety medication um, makes sense since there are no parents because it's a kid-centered anime. There are very few adults in this at all, but there's that element of it as well. And so it can kind of split hairs of being really cute, but also being like, just get her on some meds, parents. Um, but it's very sweet. It's very cute. All the characters' names are sort of based on puns. Like Hattori Bochi is derived from the spelling of All Alone. One of the other characters' names who just speaks really um, straightforward. Her name literally means honest child. Um, So there's all these sorts of like really nice little puns on names as well. But it's very cute. It's very sweet. And I encourage folks to just kind of check it out and watch it 
um, for that kind of stuff. Um, on the total flip, flip side, if you need high action and demons and solid amount of comedy, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaba is really good. Um, this takes place in sort of a historical setting um, as a young man named Tanjiro goes off to sell some charcoal for his family one winter. And he comes back up at the mountain to find every, all of his family dead from a demon attack, except for his sister, who's been transformed into a demon. And instead of killing her, he decides that he's going to turn her back to human again. But he gets recruited by these demon hunters to become a demon slayer. And so the first five episodes sort of cover him, his training and his um, initiation process uh, is where we currently are in the series of he's whether or not he'll continue to go on to become a full-fledged demon slayer. Um, the big thing about this is that the animation is really, really good looking. Um, it's really gorgeous from a scenic designs perspective. A lot of it's done with CG, but it's not obtrusive. And so it's very, very pretty. The action is really good so far. Um, the writing and voice work are both really, really strong, and I'm really enjoying this show. Um, I caught up with it really quickly, and now I'm just like, give me all of it right now, because um, it's very good, and I really like it a lot. And it's very shonen, uh, like the third episode, the third or fourth episode has a lot more comedy than the previous two episodes, which are quite serious has. So I was just like, oh, right, shonen show, there has to be some weird silly comedy bits, right, forgot about that. Um, but there's really good stuff here in, from an action perspective and from just a ooh, pretty type of approach. So I really encourage also seeking out Demon Slayer. You can watch this one as well as Hattori Bochi um, on Crunchyroll subtitled, um, though Hattori, uh, Demon Slayer is going to be on Funimation um, is also on Funimation subtitled, so they may be getting dubbed at some point, but they don't have any dubs currently. Um, so the last one I'm going to talk about is probably the most, at least within anime circles, probably the most anticipated one. Um, this is, uh, Sarah's anime, um, which is, uh, streaming on Crunchyroll and Funimation. Uh, the Funimation is coming within like the next couple of weeks and it will be dubbed, but you can watch English subtitles on Crunchyroll. Um, I don't really want to say too much about this one. Because it's just really weird, Kate. I'll give you the premise, and you can tell me if this is something that you would watch. Um, these three kids, um, two of them accidentally break a statue of a kappa, which is sort of a frogman creature from Japanese folklore. And in doing so, they release the kappa prince of this city, who turns them into kappa that they in turn must fight kappa zombies who are been dis whose desires have been distorted but they can only fight them by combining and connecting and saying the name of the show in unison <laughs> but they have problems saying that because every time they kind of come together to destroy the kappa zombie a secret of theirs leaks out so the series is very much about this idea of connecting and what it means to connect and this was something that the director who oversaw Penguin Drum and Revolutionary Girl Utna, uh, the latter of which is one of, again, something I've considered making you watch for Make You Watchathon, um, is really, really good and really cerebral and also very weird. And this show is also very weird because there's also the only way to pull out the distorted desire is to go through the butt. <laughs> which is grounded again in kappa folklore and so it's just a very weird show and i don't know it, it's just very weird and i don't know what to do with it and i like it a lot but it's also just it's a lot it's very special and it's very weird and i'm waiting for sort of the storyline to really kind of kick into gear because that hasn't quite happened yet there's still been like a lot of like premise sort of setup stuff plus the boys coming to grips with the fact that they're kind of superheroes now um but in a very weird way um listeners i've included a list uh one of the songs that they have to sing before they fight the kappa zombie um in the show notes here for kate to watch in case she needs a song to play 
um, for the segment. So she can watch that and just get a sense of how kind of weird this show is. But it's really, it promises just to be really good from a creator perspective, um, since um, Ukahara, who is overseeing it, is really smart and is really on the ball. But he also didn't tell anyone about the butt butt stuff aspect of it (laughs) until after they were already in production. He did not include this in his pitch. Mm -hmm. And then no one stopped him after they were in production. So he just went, all right, I'm good. Um, So it's really hilarious. It's really funny in that regard, but I think that this is something that could be, like, maybe on the top 10 list, top 20 list, depending on how this shakes out. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. Um, The last show I'll mention is something that's currently airing in Japan, but isn't available anywhere else. Um, And it's Carol and Tuesday. And this is from Shinchiro Wananabe, who did Cowboy Bebop and a bunch of other shows that you, you and I both like. Um, and is about musicians, and that's about the extent of what we know about it, because Netflix has the rights, the worldwide distribution rights to it, and Netflix drops anime whenever it damn well pleases, and so who knows when we'll get to see it? That's annoying. Yeah, no, so it's currently airing week to week in Japan, um, but, uh, who knows, it may be another six months until we see it on Netflix, because of Netflix's weirdness with anime that it licensed, but... I was devastated when they picked that up because I was just like, oh, oh, was the emotional roller coaster ride I went on there. Fair enough. Yeah, that is uh, when I will look forward to hearing about when Netflix actually decides it wants to air it. Um, I'm curious, talking about emotional roller coasters, I'm curious what you uh, heard this week about Game of Thrones, The Long Night, mm-hmm. uh, as yeah. a non Game of Thrones watcher. Where, did you get some enjoyment out of watching? people react to game of thrones a little bit yeah i saw a lot of people who were just kind of frustrated with this episode um in a apparently really different way from like last week's episode um and so i don't take pleasure in that anymore just because the show is ending and i don't want people to be disappointed with the show Mm -hmm. um but when my friend danielle told me that the episode wasn't particularly good i just went but it was a battle episode, right? They're supposed to do those real well. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, it was fine. But now we're just going to focus on like the throne stuff now. And I just went, oh, no, they're back to that nonsense because it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. these people don't have policy agendas or care about anyone but themselves. I'm sure that's not true anymore. But that was my sense of season one, which is what I tweeted about a little bit of like. I never understood and could not understand why it mattered who sat on that really uncomfortable looking chair because none of these people have policy positions. They don't care about the proletariat. It's all just a matter of like wanting it for themselves or wanting it because they're supposed to have it based on like lineage Mm -hmm. type thing. And it's just like, both of those are not valid reasons to be a ruler. I think we've established that already. Um, So that shift if i'm reading everything correctly that shift to being more focused on who's going to sit on that chair again sounds really boring to me but how did you feel about the long night as a battle and as someone who watches the show and just how how did you feel about this i am of two minds okay because i was super hyped for this episode Uh, Mm -hmm. As we got closer and closer, I was more and more excited to see what was going to happen, who they were going to kill off, who was going to make it through the battle, um, what was actually going to go down. I was pretty confident that there was going to be some sort of a twist in the episode um, because they couldn't resolve the zombie thing with three episodes left because, like, that's what actually matters. Who is actually on the throne doesn't matter when you're comparing it to the apocalypse. Um, and that's, that's actually a thread that the show has hit home time and again. Like you guys are squabbling amongst yourself. The real battle is this. And then at least apparently, nope, nope, that's done. And so now we're going to just go get Cersei because we don't like her because she's a baddie. And that's, I guess, enough of a reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so the episode itself, um, most of it, when I could see what it was doing, and yes, I'm sure Game of Thrones cinematographer shade. person, that you did a really good job uh, filming this, if it was possible for people to view it in the optimal situation, and that's not how it works. 
that's not how TV works. Um, and uh, every time I want to just like pull up this episode and the way that most people were able to watch it, which is many people were streaming it. Some people uh, like your people are watching it um, in not pitch black rooms. They're watching it on devices. Um, so the next time that somebody goes like, well, we actually made like an 80 hour movie. I can just like pull this and be like, OK, well, nobody was watching it in a cinema, so we couldn't see half the battle. So. Yeah, maybe don't don't get so up on your high horse about it's really a film over making a television show that we can actually see, um, which is, I know. Yeah, but... Game of Thrones. It's not like you're Ozark. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know the eight hour movie thing is a pet peeve for both of us. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. the point being, um, the stuff I could see, most of it, you know, was interesting enough or was like made sense there were a lot of triumphant moments it really shows how far the show has come from its roots that you have like moments like lady liana badass giant hunter giant slayer who you know gets crushed to death but before she dies is able to stab the giant in the eye and bring the giant down which is not what this show would have done in season one or two and season one or two would have been like okay but you're a child and this is a zombie giant, so you die now. And we've come full circle at this point to, yeah, but they're the hero, so like they might die, but they're going to die. Awesome! Yeah, we've broken free of your chains, George. We can do what we want, and what we're going to do is this. Yeah. Um, so so the, the actual, like final moments in the gods would i think work um the people you know like the discourse around game of thrones uh season eight has been very interesting because last week showed how many people don't understand what a bottle episode is and this yes. week showed how many people don't understand what a mary sue is and it's not just a badass lady it's many many other things uh because Arya is of course not a mary sue that's very stupid um, no she's not she's been trained and struggled immensely to become as strong as she is that's yeah really stupid anyway sorry yeah that's very stupid you don't even watch the show and you know this yeah yeah um yeah anyways um so so that stuff i think did work some of the uh the the really cinematography cinema pretty shots (laughs) were were really effective and, and like looked really neat worked well um but it just the whole thing is less satisfying because now you understand that now there's three more episodes that we're supposed to care about. And like you said, no one has plans for that. Uh, nobody, like, I don't know why I'm supposed to root for Danny over uh, John, over Sansa to be actually end up on the throne. And frankly, I don't really care that much. Um, so, so that's a real flaw in how they've structured the season, unless there, again, unless there's some big twist coming, which maybe there is, but, uh, I think it's a massive misjudgment of the way they have escalated the show and the, the, the real core of what the show is, is what it is supposed to have been about. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. So I, I both really enjoyed it. I was like hooting and hollering when I was watching it and then also going, yeah, okay, but now what? And yeah. also, we how many times did we see our heroes overwhelmed by zombies, but like they have character beats yet to do, so they didn't die, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. just such a far cry from, again, like the Red Wedding and some of these other landmark moments in the show's run. It just shows how straightforward heroic fantasy the end of the run of the show has become so uh that being said you guys should all go check out allison's slow motion edit did you see this no i did not um what am i what am i supposed to check out okay so friend of the show allison shoemaker took the uh climactic moment of this episode and set it to crazy ex-girlfriend slow motion because (sighs) yeah it's lots of people like like walking in slow motion and like, oh no, everything's about to, oh, they're all gonna die. And then something happens. And yeah, so you should go check it out. It's on Allison's Twitter. Uh, okay. It no, is I'm on my Twitter. Her, I'm pulling yeah. up her Twitter right now. So yeah, so enjoy. <laughs> for this. Everyone else also enjoy. But in the meanwhile, let's talk about Legends of Tomorrow, Egg McGuffin. Um, and I really like parts of this episode and other parts of this episode I had some trouble with. And for me, the whole thing comes down to 
it doesn't make sense that Ray doesn't immediately tell someone what's going on. There's yes. no reason given for that. And that is a that just kept bothering me more and more as I watched the episode. That being said, everything else about this episode I really enjoyed. And what it sets up for the last chunk of episodes, I also really enjoyed that. So uh what did you think about Legends of Tomorrow? Um no, I totally agree with you. It makes zero sense that he doesn't tell anyone about this immediately. And it's really frustrating that he doesn't. And I understand that, like, the episode makes a point of being like, well, they kind of can't. Because um, Neuron keeps, like, sort of preventing him from talking. Um, but also, you could just engage with some folks and let them know, and they can tell. Because um, yeah. Neuron will try to kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, I feel like that that's a good enough reason for to that to be clear and well the show does like backbends to get literally everyone else off the ship mm-hmm. so that he can't tell anyone but it's also like well he tries to call john so why doesn't he call literally everyone else they're just going yeah. to book club yeah <laughs> and so it didn't make any sense and it's deeply deeply frustrating but it's also one of those things in which the rest of the episode helps kind of paper over it because it's generally kind of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Then, it's more than kind of enjoyable. It's adorable. Well, it's adorable, but it's also, well, generally kind of enjoyable boils down to the fact that I don't like the Zari and Nate stuff all that much. Okay. <laughs> like it's fine, but it's also like, it's very claustrophobic because it's, just contained in that 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 one explorers club building and it never really sort of like made much sense to me um even though the chemistry between the two of them really works and i really appreciate how the show ended up slow playing this romance a little bit um as opposed to where i think we both thought it was going of being like oh well now there are a couple now so we're all set it's like no i appreciate you sort of giving them a little bit of time to like sort out these things and talk to one another about it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the just, Oh God, come on. This is painfully awkward. What are you, I don't, I can't see this anymore. Sort of motivation for, for, for them getting set up by everybody else is delightful. And, uh, I I think that really works. I like the Indiana Jones angle because I did think that was very, uh, very Sarah and like it's like ah I know what they'll like um, so I thought that was really cute and made sense and, and worked and uh, just like like when they're like when the Nazis show up and they're like ah oh, I mean the Nazis are it's like a little much but you know I think that that again it just really speaks to the energy of the show and the the, the, the friendships between the characters that that really did work for me a lot but but yeah I can I can hear what you're saying yeah, so, but then, like, the rest of the episode's good. Like, I like they're going to um, the romance uh, convention. Um, mm-hmm. That that building is not in Seattle, by the way. There's no building like that in Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoy Rory embracing the fact that he's the romance novelist, um, Rebecca Silver. And like I tweeted, WB Television is really missing out on not actually writing those novels and making them available for us to buy Mm -hmm. um because i would buy them um and so i liked that aspect of it um but i also just really liked the little bit of heavy-handed foreshadowing that we got of sarah's book club and sarah being like it's always the doormat (laughs) and it's just like oh it is always the doormat and then so yeah let's let's talk about let's talk about gary we need to have a, we need to have a, we need to have a talk about Gary. We need to talk about Gary. Yep, f- full Renfeld here, and I just went. This makes a no sense, and b all of the sense <laughs> is kind of how I felt about this. Of like, Gary's a deeply empathetic person. And he just wants people to care about him, and he goes about it in not the best ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's kind of harmless he's annoying but harmless in a lot of ways yeah and so their way of treating him and also like the the hair that breaking the camel back of even ray going i like you but i i, I wouldn't 
It wouldn't ruin my soul if I killed you. You're not a loved one. Like, yeah. we're, we're work buddies. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I I think that was set up so well. And just, like, the delivery of, like, I mean, like, a little awkward, but I think that, that was really great. Um, yeah, I, 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 like you said, it both, I don't buy it and I completely buy it and i think it all hinges on whether you go yes when the nipple starts like inching its way along the ground it's or so whether you so go good. like nope i'm out yeah <laughs> so no, that's super true yeah that that's what it comes down to and for me i was like oh it's gonna be his nipple yep and then when it started inching i was like that is insane and i am all in i also look forward to just what it's going to give the actor to do i also really like the few moments we get of brendan routh being evil i think he's he's going to pitch that just right for the turn of the show so i'm looking forward to that too yeah and i think i was actually um like some of it like routh's evil stuff sort of works i remember when he was on chuck as the bad guy (laughs) Yeah, that didn't work, but that's because it was. I feel like this is going to be campier, so I feel like yes. it'll work. Right? No, that was the that was the point I was about to make. Is that like this allows him to be sillier than he was allowed to be on Chuck, which is a very weird thing to say since Chuck is a very silly show. <laughs> but this show is sillier by a significant exponential amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the point where they're just like, yeah, no. Gary's nipple went to hell and now it's back and it's inching towards him. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this show. This show. So yeah, no, I'm very excited to see what the two of them are going to do. Um I also generally really hope that they're able to redeem Gary in the two remaining episodes so that we yes. can keep this guy around. Because I love Gary so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like the rest of them do too. They just don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. I also like Nora being on the team officially, so I think that'll mm-hmm. be fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like what this is setting up for the end game. Yeah, I do too. And I'm very excited to watch like the last two or three episodes that we have left. Yeah. Uh so what wins your week in TV? Um I think I kinda have to give it to Egg McGuffin just for the nipples. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I'm gonna give it to Legends tomorrow. I did have a really good time watching this week's episode. Uh what about you? Yeah, I'll give it to Legends, yeah. What little television you watched, um yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now we'll take a break and listen to the trailer and come back to talk season two of She-Ra Princesses of Power. shown improvement but there's still much to do we're gaining ground and our armies are growing impressive indeed you can't underestimate the horde we'll handle this the way we always do <gasps> brute strength almost dying no by sticking together and never giving up yeah best friend quad to the rescue <sighs> because there's four of us That was the trailer for season two of Netflix's She-Ra Princesses of Power. Uh, we talked about season one last year and season two, I know I was stoked for. I'm definitely more the target demo for this than you are, Noel. How was season two for you? Was it on par or did it improve? It improved a lot. Um, I think a lot of it has to boil down to the fact is that we're not doing like a origin story. We're not doing a getting the band together type stuff. And sometimes the getting the band together stuff can be really good. But now with a number of character beats really established, um, everything worked a lot better for me and it didn't feel as choppy. It felt a lot more focused. Um, And I just generally responded to the show's tone and characterization a lot more this season, since everything felt really 
motivated by those character relationships whether it's the really extended like scorpia stuff that we get with catra which is probably some of the strongest stuff i think this season and god bless laura nash just god Mm -hmm. bless that woman um all feels really good um and then like the steady escalation of the stuff with the horde through via entrapta who just also continues to be the best um is really really good and i think that generally also stepping away too much from adora's like un unsureness about being shira to just kind of limiting it to a couple of episodes really and then kind of just putting her in a backseat sort of a deal as we deal with a number of other things and do kind of like lighter episodes like the uh roll with it episode or the uh shadow weaver origin story episode just the world feels a little bit more filled in and i really appreciated that aspect of it so generally this season worked really really well for me compared to the first season and also while the season does have the now patented DreamWorks seven episode season thing that they started with Voltron and leaves you feeling deeply, deeply, deeply dissatisfied um, because you only get seven episodes. Um, Bo's dads are just the best. (laughs) They're the best. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Yeah. the, The first season has 13. The second season has seven and you can really feel the difference um yeah there's it's a much tighter focus in season two almost every episode is just the three main characters uh with mm-hmm. just a couple other like at least when our amongst our heroes and amongst our villains and so that like it's a tighter focus but i also miss some of the world building and i miss mm-hmm. some of the other princesses um and it when it did it just is very abrupt it just ends it's like and cliffhanger it seems like we're building to a natural conclusion for the season, but that would have required like another three episodes. So we're not doing yep. that. And we'll at least send you off with Bo's adorable pa- of, of, and just really sweet and lovely parents. Um, were they the highlight of the season for you? Yeah, probably they were. They were just so delightful. And I generally sort of liked the entire arc of that episode of all right, we're going to do a coming out episode, but here's how we're going to do it to two two dads. And I just went, this is solid. This is a good way of doing this without doing it, basically. Um, and giving Bo a plot line as well. And kind of explaining Bo's whole deal as well, which was a question that I think had been lingering in the show of like, wait, how's this guy just around all the time without any supervision of any kind? Even Glimmer has supervision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Katra has supervision. Yeah. What's Bo's deal exactly? So answering that question in this episode, I think is really helpful in terms of providing a little bit of world building, but also being like, here's this museum with all this cool stuff that will no doubt become much more important later on. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah. And I don't think I didn't, immediately go huh 13 youngest of 13 i look forward to meeting more of his brothers uh yeah no they were just like we've got 12 more relatives we can give you and that's (laughs) on purpose yeah yeah um yeah having that like the way that they structured that i thought worked really well i like the ridiculous moment of him ripping his shirt into a tank top so he can reach his bow which doesn't make (gasps) any sense but it was it was just really fun (gasps) there were there were a bunch of little moments like that that i thought really worked nicely um i liked the uh the finding out the tattoo says lunch and not love uh also super fun yeah there was a lot of really charming character stuff with these and just just a little you know again taking the time to flesh out these characters and their backstories in a way that works nicely i was expecting um one of bo's parents to to actually be um what's his face from the flashback micah oh and then okay and then that didn't happen um so i am we are definitely seeing micah again that's gonna happen um So, so the, there are a few things like that that, um, like you said, were very dissatisfying because of the way that they structured their seven episode seasons. But on the whole, I thought this was a solid, a solid uh, season. I think I probably liked the first season more because mm-hmm. of the sense of scale. Um, sure. 
though I agree, I'm very much here for not an origin story. Very much yeah. here for that. Um, let's see. What did you think of the flashback episode? I liked it mainly for uh, giving me a lot more Lorraine Troussant, which we hadn't really gotten much of. because Which is of always Shadow good. Reaper. Yeah, she's always great. And so um, while I was sort of disappointed by how sort of pat and like well-trodden that particular story was of like, all right, well, no one's listening to me, so I'm going to use the magic and then become evil. Um, mm-hmm. It was just very pat. But again, when you have someone like Lorraine Toussaint, you can get away with doing that because she'll sell it. And she sells it really well, I think. And the animation for the spell of obtainment, which is the worst name for a spell. Yes. <laughs> um, but the whole, the entirety of the, like the design for that weird smoke monster eye thing. And then mm-hmm. like seeing Shadow Weaver's eyes now. All of that was really good. And I really liked that stuff. And so I was generally really happy with it. And I'm curious to see more from these sorcerers as well, like going forward, even though are the sorcerers like associated with Glimmer's aunt? I can't remember. Um, ish, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, cause they don't use the rune stones. I, I, I'm not very clear again, sick. So yeah. I, I literally watched this listeners at about uh first half of it at a decent hour and the second half of it at about three in the morning when I couldn't sleep. So so I was in and out of a few of the episodes, I'll be honest. But um but no, I think they've you know, because the other adults are so downplayed in this season, except for Bo's parents, uh Bo's Bo's fathers, um, I it was not clear to me exactly what the connections all were and I didn't remember exactly what they had established in season one. So um ish is what I'm gonna go with. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like they earned the payoff with Entrapped uh, and like every, them finding out that she's still there? Did Was that satisfying to you or did it just sort of happen? I, for me, it felt like they were ticking off a box. Yeah, I do think that they're ticking off a box, uh, but I'm glad that it's a box they ticked off. If only because I didn't really need them to be like feeling overly guilty that they've left her there and that kind of a thing. It's just like, this is what happens when you uh, when you recruit a chaotic neutral, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what happens. Um, so, and it, it's not like she's evil. She's just hyper-focused and single-minded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that they ticked, it, ticked off that box so that they can just kind of not have to worry about the guilt of it so much even yeah. though they all feel guilty but it's like this this is just kind of what happens and entrapta makes the best of terrible situations for entrapta mm-hmm. yeah though i'm really curious what her like i i think the the more seasons we go the the less mm-hmm. the but who are the people actually in the horde thing yeah. holds up because in season one it's very much a well i've just brought you know like adora just bought into the propaganda that whole yeah. time but like what do uh entrapta's people think of all of this yeah and like we see those two escaping and then they don't come back <laughs> yeah. um it, it, when uh when the horde takes over her area or kingdom or whatever Crypto princess Castle. yeah um I feel like they're like, cause, and then we keep seeing like Kyle, who I enjoy. Um, oh, Kyle just needs to defect already because he doesn't yeah. belong there. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like they like the show, the show's philosophy and morality is very much centered on like people are good and all this stuff. But then they have this massive army of evil and they don't want to mm-hmm. commit to some people are bad. You yeah. know, or some people don't care. Um, and they're exploring that to a certain extent with Entrapta, but in a way that's very playful and can still be positive and fit in with their overall yeah. tone. As the show gets longer and lo- like goes more and more seasons, I don't know how much that like that that starts to become more and more of a question mark for me. Right. And it's a fair question to have, especially when I think that they're doing about 50 episodes, 50, 52 episodes, I think is what they've said. Um, so we're 20 through those, 
Um, and so the extent of what we're going to do and how much of like the moral gray shading we're going to provide, I think is a fair question to have. Um, especially again, when you have characters like Kyle who just clearly don't need to be here, <laughs> who are the Gary of the group, except <laughs> we'll end up going to the good guys instead. Yeah. Well, and Scorpia too, they clearly, they want yeah. us to like her. They want her to be someone who can, we can have as a... She's not a villain. She's just like she's an anti-hero, I guess. I don't know. She's just on the yeah. wrong side, but we but she's adorable. Yeah. I keep using adorable today. She wasn't pretty enough to be with the other princesses is something I think she said in like season yeah. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't like when they're people you're supporting a side that's just killing people, that doesn't mm-hmm. work. <laughs> yeah. And they do sort of like scale that back a lot as well this season. It's like there's significantly less the horde invading cities that they're fighting against and just robots fighting in the forest and or first one's tech causing problems for people and oh they've got this fort that we're going to take down but it's not really located anywhere yeah no one's actually in it yeah 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 well any other final thoughts on this season would you recommend it to people who are on the fence yeah, I would. Um, if only also to enjoy Roll With It, which is a very fun episode in which people launch different plans, D&D-esque style, though it's not a D&D episode, despite the title, um, which made me sad. But you do get to see different animation styles, including a really solid like Cowboy Bebop, hot pink uh, noir style, and also Bo's plan being putting everyone in their 1980s outfits and it just went oh that's very good yeah it's very very good good. very good um the only other thing i'll say is that i'm really glad that our pirate friend is significantly less of a presence here Uh, even though seahawk even though his song while he's being pulled off by Bo, (laughs) it's so good Mm -hmm. and pure but he's just He's just really frustrating um, as a just as a character, but in a small dose, he's perfect. So I was glad to only get him for one episode here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he again. He's fun. I like the really like the moment of connection with him and Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah. Um. And but yes, a smaller dose. I agree is more appropriate uh, for him. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I enjoyed this as well. I'm glad that you you enjoyed it more um, this season than last season, and I will certainly plan on tuning back in when we get season three or season 2.5 or whatever they're going to call it Um, season three it will be called season three because this is how terrible they are (laughs) okay well listeners let us know if you caught up with princesses of power and what you're thinking of of how uh the 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 arc is shaping up and everything um but that will wrap up our episode this week so a few show notes here at the end of the episode you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can like our page on facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com, and you can also find our uh, MP3 unchaptered feed and M4A chaptered feed up in iTunes. We'd appreciate a rating or review there. We're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate reading some reviews there as well. Um, and of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much, Kate, for a great week. Now go get some rest. I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> and thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.